0: Good morning. Today we turn to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14, beginning in the 13th verse, for a look at one of Jesus' most well-known miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. One small point to highlight, although called the feeding of the 5,000, there were actually many more people there. We notice this at the closing of the description of the event, Matthew writes, And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The total number, therefore, is unknown to us, as it was 5,000 men plus the women plus the children. The true number could have been well over 10,000 or who knows how more, how much more than that as far as total persons. And it's likely that the reference to 5,000 men present was simply for the sake of a bit of verbal number play in the telling of the story, five loaves fed 5,000, not, as some have accused, a disregard for the value of the women and the children present. There are a few things that make this miracle event distinct from the vast majority of others that are described in the various Gospels. The first thing to note is that it is the only miracle event recorded in all four Gospels. Other miracle events are in multiple Gospel accounts. Some are only in one Gospel account. But this miracle, this one miracle, is recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all convinced that this event needed to be written down and documented for all those who came after and read their histories of the life and works of jesus that fact alone tells us something of the importance of this event the next thing we want to notice is that there is no discussion of the reaction of the people or the disciples there's no comments of amazement there's no celebration as when a person has their sight or their speech restored there's no running out to tell others like when leprosy or being crippled is healed. There's no testimony of faith to be heard by the crowd as the woman healed, by, healed from her issue of blood. Well over 5,000 people miraculously fed using five loaves of bread and two fish that Jesus took, blessed, and then gave to the people. Everybody ate. Everyone was full. There's 12 baskets full of leftovers, all without comment. For anyone reading about the event, without having been there in person, the story is simply left to speak for itself. What that means is that people, the readers, you and I, have been trying to understand what happened that day ever since. As a result, we have a variety of interpretations, from various explanations as to the meaning of the miracle on one side to those who simply try to explain it away on the other side. On the explain it away end of the spectrum, the most commonly expressed idea is that the miracle was one of motivation. That there were among the people all sorts of food available and that Jesus in his giving what little he and the disciples had motivated all the people to share what they had so that everybody could be fed. This way of looking at the miracle fails on multiple levels. The first is that the disciples had already observed that the people had nothing to eat and started the entire scene with suggesting to Jesus that the people be sent away so that they could buy something to eat. The fact that the people have no food to eat is the very reason there was a problem that the disciples were bringing to Jesus. Jesus, is late in the day, the people have nothing to eat. Send them away, let them buy bread. The other key reason that this naturalistic interpretation fails is that it defies common sense. Why would all four gospel writers find a non-miracle miracle so important that they would make a point of including it in the telling of the gospel? Our gospel writers were so amazed that Jesus fed the overwhelming crowd with five loaves of bread and had leftovers that they each and every one, all of them, wrote it down. Now, each of them had the opportunity to pick and choose which miracles they wanted to include in their writings. One may find a certain healing important, another the calming of a storm, another the raising of one who is dead to life. But there is only one miracle that each and every gospel writer included. The feeding of the multitude. If all four writers did not include the event of the miraculously raise, miraculous raising of the dead to life, but made a point of including the feeding of the multitude, well, you know, it's a really, really big deal. This is too big a deal. To be explained away by converting it into the story of Jesus at the giant picnic. If not a giant picnic, then what? Respected respected theologian Donald Hagner says, The sequence of verbs, take, bless, break, give, is the same as in the account of the Last Supper. And the Gospel, according to John, develops this idea relating the feeding miracle to the Eucharist in chapter 6 of John's Gospel. Let us look at some more details of the story and what we can see in those details. Our Gospel reading is at the end of the day. The Last Supper, the Passover meal, the institution of the Eucharist was at the end of the day. In our Gospel, the people had nothing that they could provide for themselves. People in sin cannot save themselves. We cannot in our own power attain righteousness and be full or satisfied in the words of our miracle story, so to speak. The disciples wanted to send the people away to buy food, but Jesus says that they have to give them food. We cannot buy our way into the kingdom of God. You can't buy grace. Grace is given. A person's works, no matter how good, when not done with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, may be nice, but they do not gain the person any merit with God. Remember, Jesus says it's the one who gives a glass of water in his name who will not lose his reward. It is our works in Christ that have merit with God the Father. All other good works may be nice things, but that is all they are. Simply nice. Jesus is the one giving the bread. As noted by Dr. Henry. we have a Eucharistic reference and I will add, on multiple levels, the people are in the wilderness. The manna, the bread from heaven, was given to those in the wilderness. Jesus in the gospel, according to John, refers to himself as the bread from heaven, with a direct connection to that manna given in the wilderness. Jesus is the one giving the bread. Jesus gives himself. Again, as Hagner observed, for the multitude, Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, gives the bread. At the Last Supper, Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, and gives the bread, declaring it to his body. In the Eucharist, the priest who acts in persona Christi takes, blesses, breaks, and gives the bread, which is now the body of Christ broken for us. It is important to remember that the priest is acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, because it is always Christ acting through his priest, who is the one making himself present to us in the sacrament, adjoining of the intangible with the tangible, the spiritual with the physical, feeding us both in soul and body. Jesus gave the bread to his people through his disciples. And today Jesus gives his body to his people through his priests. They all, no matter the number you use, five thousand plus all the women and children, to the point where we have no idea how massive the crowd was, they all ate and were satisfied. There is no end to the body of Christ. His body is made present to his people without any limits in every valid celebration of the mass. Five people, 5,000 people, 5 million people, 5 billion people. We can call off numbers all day. Five to any exponent you want to add. There is still enough bread. There is still enough body of Christ. For all who are ready and willing to receive and be satisfied. And when they were satisfied, they took up twelve basketfuls of what was left. A great line in some Eucharistic liturgy, which is based on the words of first Chronicles nine fourteen, All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given. Before Christ we had nothing to give and no way to buy. Now in Christ. We have received his abundant blessings. We are able to give back basketfuls of what are merely the leftover fragments of blessings in our lives. And how do we give these blessings back to God? Jesus says, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did he see you sick or in prison and visit you? And Jesus will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You who have been blessed by the bread of heaven, go and bring blessings to us. Amen.